live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? <laughs> Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Let's get started. A fast-paced and eclectic program to take you into tomorrow's historic snowstorm. All right. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that it is not rude to do it. Now, you may disagree with me. We can discuss this. But I think one of the really rude things to do is to sit in your seat on an airline and recline it. I, I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm going to give you my perspective. I'm 6'1", 200 plus a little bit pounds. I'm, I, I mean, I'm not an enormous guy, but I'm, I'm a relatively big guy. And there's nothing worse than you, you sit down and all of a sudden the person in front of you decides that they want to be comfortable. So they want to lean their seat back as far as you abs- they can absolutely go. So, hey, if I'm sitting back there and I want to, I don't know, move my knees around or I want to read a book or I want to work on a laptop or whatever, I, I'm suddenly going to have all that in my chin. Now, I understand there are people that say, well, the airlines let you do that. The seat's go back so you know it's not your problem and then of course the other response is well if somebody does that to you then you just do it to the person behind you so i'm like okay just because this person in front of me is being rude i'm supposed to be rude to the person behind me i I don't think so i was coming back when we were doing our listener cruise in in europe last year i get on the plane it's a nine-hour flight from munich to chicago I get on the plane, Lufthansa, not a Baird airline. I'm sitting in the aisle seat. My lovely wife is next to me. The guy in front of me, now I say I'm 6'1", 200 something. The guy in front of me, we'll call him Hans. Hans, now Hans is a big guy. He's 6'4", and a lot more than 200 something. He plops down in his seat and immediately as far back as he can possibly go. So I spend nine hours with Han, the back of Hans's head, bald spot and all, essentially in my lap. And he knows what he's doing. He just doesn't care. Now I bring this up because Delta Airlines is experimenting. And one of the things that they are doing on some of the airplanes that they fly is they are limiting the ability of the seats to recline. Now, for example, um, seats in the main cabin on this one type of airplane, it's not all the types of airplanes, but the one type of airplane, the seats recline four inches. That's the normal thing. Now they're changing that. So the seats can only recline two inches. So if you want to go back into the person behind you's lap, you're not going to be able to do that. They're also limiting the amount of uh, the seat recline in the first class section as well. Some airlines are doing that because they're considering, is this a way we can add seats? You know, if we cut out a couple inches here and a couple inches there, can we add an extra row of seats? Delta says that's not why they're doing it. They're not looking at adding more seats. They just don't want people reclining and getting into other people's space. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. 
The airline is saying, hey, look, we think we have this problem here, and what we're going to do is we're going to limit the ability of these seats to recline. You can still go back just a tad, but instead of four inches, you can only go back two inches. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would that make you more likely or less likely to fly on these different planes? For me, and again, what governs what airline I fly on, is is you know what what's the times where is, is it going where I'm going and things like that. But from the perspective of enjoyable air travel, I'm sorry, I just think it is incredibly rude to recline your seat. And again, it starts this chain reaction. I resist the urge to do it. I'll look behind me and I'll say, I'm, I mean, I, I understand Hans is back and he's almost in my lap. I, I just, e- even though that's the case, I don't want to go back and do the same thing to the person who's behind me. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I fully support what Delta is doing. And again, it's not designed to reduce leg room. They say it is a passenger comfort issue. I applaud it. 414-799-1620. Crew is lining up the calls. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Justin sends me a text. Jeff, I'm about your size. I never recline. I wish others couldn't either. I applaud what Delta is doing. Here's another one. Jeff, when this happens to me, I turn on the air conditioning nozzle as fast as I can. I put it up at full throttle. Well, there's that. I I always kind of wonder if that's when when somebody's reclining and their their head is essentially in your chest, whether that's the time you should develop that kind of chronic cough or something like that. I but I just I just I think it's rude to do it. I know you can, but I applaud these airlines. I mean, I think Delta's doing the right thing saying we're going to limit your ability to recline. Let's start with Tom in Bayside. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, good Hi. afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, I think it's. I think it should be mandatory for every airline. Uh, I mean, it's it's crazy, especially when you think about people trying to work on a laptop. It's bad enough when the seat's not reclined. And, right. Uh, I flew back from South America yesterday, and a guy that wasn't very tall immediately reclined it, and it, <laughs> the seat was right in my face. Yeah. The whole it, flight. Well, 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 exactly. Now maybe. Maybe, you know, Tom, 25 years ago when there was more space on airlines and it wasn't that big a deal and you had more leg room, okay, maybe, you know, the full recline wasn't that bad a deal. But on the way these things are modernly configured, somebody goes back all the way, and you're right. If you're of any size at all, you're they're in your lap, for goodness sakes. And when he went to the bathroom, I swear I almost reached up and pressed the button for it not to recline. Right. Anyway. Right. No, I get it. Thanks for calling. I mean, that's that's what I was going through with Hans. Here's a text. Jeff, um, let's see. um, I'm 6'4", 250. um, From Vegas to Milwaukee, I got my own Hans in my lap. And he said, I'm in the back row. And the flight I was on, the back row seats can't recline. I asked that Hans be moved. I asked that he move or pull up his seat, and he refused. I asked the flight attendant, but there was nothing they could do. Three horrible hours with a snoring drunk in my lap. So, yes, I would choose a plane that offers restricted reclining options. Um, 414-799-1620. Let's talk to John in Oconomowoc. John, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff, I'm in complete agreement, and I would go further. There shouldn't be any recline at mm-hmm. all. I don't even like the two inches. I'd say zero recline, and every airline, it should be mandatory. It's <laughs> 
really frustrating. Also, they'll wreck your laptop if you're trying to get a little bit of work done, and they crank back that little lever that lets the uh, tray table down. That'll catch the top of your laptop. Okay. Mind, watch the person destroy their laptop as the guy leaned back on it. So <laughs> it shouldn't be allowed at all. I have I got a hip replaced a couple of years ago, so I have to get up every hour the, just to walk around. So right. If someone leans it all the way back. I make sure that I grab the seat in front of me when I get up, and I give it a real good pull. So if they're sleeping, they wake up. Yeah, and but the bottom line is, but you know, you shouldn't be uncomfortable. And your only way around that is to inconvenience the person behind you. You know, by going all the way back, and then you set this uh, again. It's this kind of like chain reaction. Just just sit in the seat, sit with it straight up, and deal with it. And I don't know about you, John. I mean, I. I consciously, I pay a little bit extra or pay for the early early boarding so I can get an aisle seat. I mean, that's one of the yep. things that's important to me so I can stretch out my legs a little bit. But I don't want to recline. I don't want to ruin the experience of the person behind me. I agree completely. Yeah, yeah no, thanks. No, I think yeah. zero recline, just none at all. Yeah, and well, no argument for me. Thanks, because I don't recline. And so maybe Delta thinks that, that that this is, you know, that they don't want to dramatically do that. So they're talking about cutting it in half as an experiment. But I think this is something that, again, people would embrace. And Delta is very clear. They're saying, look, we're not trying to do this because we want to try to figure out a way to cut down people's leg room even more. And then, you know, put extra seats in. We're just trying to figure out a way to maybe avoid some airline rage and to, you know, make it a better experience. Because I have to tell you, eight hours with Hans in my lap, uh, you know, it, by the end of it, it's like, oh, for God's sake. I mean, just just sit up. And I understand he's a big guy. He wants to be comfortable and he doesn't give a rat's rump if he's making the other people around him uncomfortable. And then when you do like try to discuss this with people or confront them, uh, you know, most people, some people will probably just be fine with it. Other people are going to get confrontational. Well, I can recline. You know, what are you doing? Why are you blocking me? Let's talk to Mike in Bayview. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Real well, thank you. Um, great. Um, I was. Uh, we were. We were on an airline called Spirit. We're coming back from Los Angeles, and it's um, uh, people that were in front of us. As soon as they sat down in that chair, the first thing they did was they they pulled it. You know, they they yep. reclined it. And on Spirit, there isn't a heck of a lot of room to begin with. Right. And so then I says I asked her. If, I asked them if they could move it. You know, forward a little bit. And uh, she, uh, this girl says, no, she totally blew me off. So I thought, oh, okay, you're going to play that game. So what I did was I put my knees uh, up on the back end of it. Right. And when she turned around and uh, when she turned around and made an adjustment on it, my knees pushed it forward. And she said, would you mind? She says, she goes, I want to recline. I says, yeah, me too. I says, and I kept my knees there. I says, and I said, no, I'm not going to move it. Yeah, but so, but right. So you're at the, you're at this air rage type of thing and the whole thing goes away. Just, you know, sit in the, the seat. I mean, I don't know. Most of the, most of the chairs. Most of the seats that I sit in in my daily life don't recline. You know, the, the seat, the chairs yeah. I have at home aren't recliners. You know, the, the chair I'm sitting in now isn't a recliner. You know, you can't go back. Why do you need them on the airplanes? Yeah, no. I don't know. I don't understand that. No, well, thank you. No, I mean, again, I, I do think it goes back to a time when airplanes were designed to have, when there was more room, when we weren't crammed in like cattle. And I, I mean, I, I understand why airlines do what they do and things like that, and they're trying to maximize profits, but it's, it is a pet peeve of mine. And so I was very, very glad that Delta 
is apparently starting to wake up to this, and they're saying, all right, let's try this out. I'm, again, with a couple of you who, who say, I don't think they should recline at all. Now, maybe it's a different thing if you want to pay the first-class seat for the first-class tickets, and, and you want to sit in the seats where you can lay all the way back and sleep and stuff like that. But for your basic, normal economy, regular class travel, sit in the seat and don't push back. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, my favorite text of the day so far. Jeff, your listeners are all large, vengeful psychopaths. Don't retaliate for someone using a seat recliner. If someone reclines four small inches and it's in your lap, that's your problem. See, that's the self-entitled attitude that you see from some people. I don't care how uncomfortable it makes other people. If I want to recline as long as it makes me comfortable, I don't care if it makes anybody else uncomfortable. Hmm. Large, vengeful psychopaths because you don't like Hans reclining into your lap. All right, but that's why that text is why I think it's good for airlines to deal with this because... You, you know, you, you don't want to provoke any sort of air rage and things like that. And maybe if the airlines just take the, take the option out of this, you can't recline. All right. That, that's, that's fine. And if you really, really decide that you can't be on an airline without having to recline, well, okay. Then you spend the extra dough and you fly first class, but you don't inconvenience everybody else. All right. I'm going to take one, and I'm, I'm on the side of the large, vengeful psychopaths who don't like to have people recline into the back of their seats. <clears throat> All right. This week, we had the, the story of the guy that won the, won the lottery, and he, you know, he won it in Wisconsin, and so you had, the big, uh, you had the big news conference with the head of the lottery, former state representative Peter Barca, and the guy came out, and he was answering questions and stuff like that. And, you know, everybody knows his name. In some states, when you win the lottery, you can collect the proceeds anonymously. You don't have to go public. Now, there's nothing that stops you from going public, but, you know, you you don't have to do it. You don't have to let everybody know that you've won. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think Wisconsin... And by the way, there's new legislation that's out there that would allow this. I think Wisconsin should allow lottery winners to collect the money anonymously and not have to go public. That's not to say that they they couldn't go public with it and they couldn't participate in the big press conference and they couldn't, you know, have their their story all over the media. I, I they could certainly do that. But there's a lot of people and I think there's also a lot of good reasons why people might not want the general public knowing that it was them that won seven hundred million or five hundred million or three hundred million. So State Senator Robin Voss and State Representative uh, Gary Tauschen, they're sponsoring what's called the Lottery Privacy Act. It's going to be introduced in the state assembly and it would essentially allow lottery winners to become anonymous. It would prohibit retailers that sell lottery tickets, the state lottery and the Department of Revenue from disclosing the name and personal details 
of the lottery prize winner if the person requests confidentiality. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But winning the lottery is a good problem to have. And I guess that, I guess for most of us, if the choice was, gee, you've just won $700 million, um, the deal is if if you collect it, everybody's going to know who you are. I mean, I understand that people might argue that is a small price to pay. But at the same time, I mean, is it the general public's business? If you happen to win something, should you have to identify yourself publicly? Obviously, Obviously, the state is going to know about it. So, you know, they can run you through to determine, you know, do you have delinquent, you know, child support things or, you know, do you have liens on your property for back taxes or something like that? I'm not saying that the state shouldn't have access to that information, but does the general public need to have access to that if if you don't want them to? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my position is I think it should be private. I think you should have that choice because there's a lot of reasons why somebody wouldn't want the general public knowing that they just come into a windfall. If nothing else, you know that there's going to be all sorts of grifters and scammers and hangers-on and leeches who, once they find out that you've won, all of a sudden they're going to be reaching out trying to separate you from your money. And if, if you want to take that on, God bless you. But should we be publicizing that? There's nothing wrong with publicizing the fact that there's a winner. Of course you're going to do that. Hey, we have the winner. The winner won the money in New Berlin. Okay, that's that's great. All right, you still get the bang for the buck, but should you have to disclose the person's name? My answer is no. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. If you're just tuning in uh, this week, the winner of that last giant Powerball drawing had a press conference. He was required to do that. In Wisconsin, you are not allowed to remain anonymous. When you come forward to collect your lottery proceeds, uh, part of the deal is that the lottery gets to publicize it, and they get to tell who you are and give your background. Right now, the legislature is considering changing that. I would be in favor of it. Let's start with Gary in West Allis. Hi, Gary. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? I, I think it's, it feels like it's a moot point because with the open records request, I would assume any lottery winner would have to file documents with the Wisconsin Lottery Commission, with the Wisconsin Department of Revenue, with the IRS. There's so many filings that would have to go on if someone wanted to find out, that being a radio station, a, a news reporter, a, a newspaper. I would think they, if they did their due diligence, submitted an open records request, mm-hmm. they could find out the name and information of any lottery winner. Well, they- well, what you'd have to do, and that's what I think they're looking at with this law, is as part of the law, you would exempt the identity of lottery winners from the op- all the open records filings. I mean, that, that's how you would that's how you would do it. I mean, yeah. I, I guess let's let's talk. Do you think it's a bad idea? Do you think people should? should be able to retain privacy, or, hey, if you've won the lottery, should everybody know who you are? First, I would think it's a good idea. If I ever played the lottery and won $700 million, I would like not everybody, (laughs) including my neighbors and distant relatives, to to know. 
that I was a big winner. Right. No, thanks. And I guess that's the I, I think that's the way the majority of people would would feel. I mean, I have a, a text here from Carla who says, well, you know, it's it, it, there's also the the safety concerns that are are out there as well. I think it should be initially suggested every lottery winner. They stay private. Safety being the main reason. I mean, could. Because, I mean, look, I understand that's a life-changing amount of money. And I also understand that, you know, it, it's to your to your point, Gary, I, it, it's entirely possible that, that you're ultimately going to find out who the lottery winner is because that person will tell somebody and that somebody might tell somebody and then the word gets out and, the, you know, the, the guy that's won it, he's not going back to work and people start speculating. And, and so it may very well come out. But that's different than the government having to disclose that information. And I guess I just I, I don't I, I, I appreciate the idea that you need transparency in the lottery and you want to make sure that it's not rigged and you want to make sure that the the lottery winner, the person that's collecting all these big payments, isn't related to the people that are running the lottery or the people that are selling the tickets or things like that. So I understand there, there's a certain value in transparency, but it would seem to me that there were ways that you could do that without requiring the lottery winner to have to disclose their name. Don and Eagle. Don, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Yeah, you you took my thunder. I, I want to know who who won because, just like you said, if the lottery was fixed or people with the lottery office are involved, right? If it's if it's if it okay, Peter Barker runs the lottery. If if his if his wife wins the the jackpot, you want to know that, <laughs> you know? Right. All right. Well, there's been in in the past some people from the lottery office were, were caught. Who had who were rigging some of the numbers and they won multiple time, different times. Right, in different care, states. I don't care what the little guys, the little thousand dollar ones or that, but something that big, I want to know if it's an individual or a corporation or it was a fair fair deal. Do you think that you have to know the identity of the person? I mean, or or is it just enough if you build in some safeguards to make sure that you you know that it's not somebody that's related to a lottery official or something like that? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that, but I just you know there's a lot of money involved. Yeah, and I, I want to see you know again the right people get it. Right, you know, lucky people get it, not a corporation or these multi-lottery operations that are you know right bringing some of these uh, lotteries. So yeah, I, that's yeah. All no, say, thanks, for, yeah, Don. And I, I think that that's that, that's fair. But, but let's let's be honest here. The reason the lottery publicizes the winner. It's it's not for transparency. The reason they publicize it is they want to they they use it as a marketing opportunity. They want to they, you want to bring out the guy, the twenty four year old guy from West Dallas who won the lottery ticket, and that okay now everybody else sees that and says heck it happened to the guy who you know just won the lottery ticket. If it happened to this guy who stopped off. You know, I bought $10 worth of lottery tickets. I admit my favorite part of the whole story is he said, well, I was looking at the lottery tickets, and I bought $2 worth of lottery. Me and my girlfriend bought $2 worth of lottery tickets, and those didn't win. And then I looked at the $10 that I bought, and and mine won. <laughs> Thinking, okay, that's okay, honey. You know the the ones we had didn't work, but the ones I had did. I just I just love that part of the story on, on so many different levels. But I mean, look, I, I I the reason the lottery wants to hold those press conferences is they want all the free publicity. We carried it. All the TV stations carried it. It was on the nightly news, and they want to. It helps them sell more tickets because everybody sees that and says this could happen to me. I could be that next guy. So they run out and they you know buy buy lottery tickets, and I. 
right? Some people think it's a good investment. Some people think it's worth it. Some people think that you don't. I mean, I don't care whether you buy lottery tickets or not. I just think, though, as a general rule, that you shouldn't have to give up your privacy. And candidly, when you hear a lot of these horror stories about people who win these big amounts of money and in the five-year period they've, they've peed it away, I think part of that is because of the public attention that they get. And again, if you want to you want to appear at the big press conference and you want to have the parties and carry the big check, I think you have every right to do it. I just don't think you should have to do it. All right, when we come back, what is President Trump's obsession with John McCain? And is it getting him anywhere? We'll discuss in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, so very glad to have you with us. I I think we got an insight into President Trump's personality. Back when he was not President Trump, but he was Donald Trump, self-proclaimed billionaire real estate developer who was running for office. And I, I remember the day this happened. He was addressing the annual Family Leadership Summit in Ames, Iowa. In Ames, of course, Iowa is where you have the, the first the first caucuses. And he, he's talking, and there's no question that there has never been any love lost between then Donald Trump and, um, at the time, living Senator John McCain. Senator McCain has subsequently passed away. And Donald Trump made in what I think is one of his more infamous comments when he's talking about um, John McCain, and he says, well, McCain's not a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people who weren't captured. Hmm. And, of course, John McCain was taken a prisoner of war for five years during the Vietnam War. He was a pilot. Uh, Donald Trump, meanwhile, in the whole category of people who live in glass houses should perhaps not play throw stones, while John McCain was serving this country and was flying planes in Vietnam and, in fact, got shot down. Donald Trump, of course, received four student draft deferments between 64 and 68 and an additional medical deferment after he graduated from the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. Now, I mean, Donald Trump did what lots of people of wealth and stature did Back in that time, he did everything he possibly could to avoid having to serve in Vietnam. Okay, so I'm not necessarily faulting him for that. He did what a lot of people did. He could have chosen to go a different route, but he didn't want any part of the military. So he, you know, he and his family used every possible tool they could have to avoid him having to go into service. But having said that, to me, it takes a lot of, and I'll use the word guts, even though there's another word that's percolating in my mind. There's a lot of guts to say, well, he's not a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured. Okay. So that, I I thought, candidly, that was a a low point in the campaign for, for then Donald Trump. I thought, I mean, really? You know, somebody who's applied for these different deferments, they're, they're gonna be, you know, you know, dissing John McCain. Now, this battle between Trump and McCain, you know, continued for the rest of Senator McCain's life. And it continues, you know, John McCain, I guess, continues to bug Donald Trump from beyond the, the grave. The, the reason I, I, I bring this up is because uh, the, the other day, you know, President Trump is doing an interview with Sean Hannity. And he, he decides that he, he's going to, again, revisit the whole segment of, of John McCain. And, you know, he's talking about the future of the affordable health care. 
And, you know, he says, well, when he voted against this this plan on Obamacare, McCain did the Republican Party a tremendous disservice, and he did the nation a tremendous disservice. It's unfortunate. He went thumbs down at the very last moment, and I thought it was a disgraceful thing to do and very bad, very bad for our country and very bad for, for health care. So, I mean, John McCain passed away. He's been gone for a while now. So you, you have the president decides that he – you know, wants to bring this up and diss John McCain. Last month, he said that he was never a fan of Senator McCain, tweeting incorrectly that he tried to publicize a dossier alleging misdeeds by Trump. And, you know, he boasted that he never got a thank you for giving McCain the kind of funeral that he wanted. All right. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I do not now for for example I I would never pretend to understand why president Trump feels compelled to do and some of say some of the things that that he says. You know, having said that, I I think years ago when he decided to make his, you know, well, I don't think he's a hero because he was captured. I thought that was again an incredible low point and and I thought that was a, a comment especially given the fact that you had done all the things that you could do to avoid serving the Vietnam War. I thought that was just an incredible insult to people who did make the decision to you know, serve our, our country. And I'm not faulting President Trump for not going to Vietnam, but I am faulting him for mocking somebody who did. And I think that's what was going on. And now you have this repeated thing where President Trump seems to be obsessed with John McCain to the point of, here, we're going to discuss this and we're going to discuss that, despite the fact that he's dead. And he's been dead for a while. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Does President Trump help himself by these attacks on John McCain or or is this one of the things where you have a lot of average voters that just kind of roll their eye, including a lot of average Republican voters? And I understand John McCain has always been a controversial figure in the Republican Party, even though he was the Republican nominee against Barack Obama in 2008. But do you really want to pick this particular fight? I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, I, I don't think Joe Biden is a high-energy kind of guy, or to go after Elizabeth Warren. Do you get any gain by going after, repeatedly, a guy who was a member of the Republican Party, a Republican standard-bearer, a war hero, and somebody who's been dead for the last couple of years? I don't get it. And to me, it says perhaps more about President Trump than it says about, well, certainly John McCain. Okay, is this a plus or a minus, or should he just knock it off? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. Here's a text. Jeff, President Trump would better serve himself if he would not be so critical and criticized. I like him. I voted for him. But I think he needs to back off on that area if he wants to be reelected. This obsession with John McCain, who died, what, about a year ago or so, is just mind boggling to me to the point that he's doing an interview with Sean Hannity a couple days ago and he decides to gratuitously, well, let's let's just dump on McCain again. I mean, really? Can't you just let it go? Richard in Waukesha. Richard, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my sure. call. Uh, there's uh, two people in our country that I have absolutely no respect for, um, uh, and I am a Vietnam veteran. Uh, I volunteered to go there. I was not drafted, uh, but I also went to college on the GI Bill. Mm-hmm. And the two people that I totally detest are Trump for the way that uh, he continues to denigrate uh, John McCain, who is a total war hero. Can I guess and the second? Can I wait, wait? Can I get? Can I take a guess as to who the second one is? Let me take a guess. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Guess. Jane Fonda. You got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. And that, uh, that was, right. You, that was a, that was a complete guy. But I was, because, I mean, I can't tell you how many, how many people, you know, Vietnam veterans like yourself, Richard, I, I hear the same thing from it. They can't stand Jane Fonda for appropriate, and appropriately so for that, the Hanoi Jane type of stuff. And, you know, President Trump's attacks on John McCain. How, it's mind boggling to me that he can't let it go. Well, it, it just supposed to show his insecurity. Uh, he uh, and it's it's total Trump. Uh, he he just cannot deal with the fact that uh, somebody may be liked other than him. Yeah. And to say that John McCain was not a war hero when I heard that, like when you heard it, uh, I was totally disgusted with him from the get go. Uh, in my adult life, I, I voted Republican. I've also voted Democrat. But there is no way that Trump would ever ever get my vote based on the way uh, he denigrates uh, John McCain and so many other people. And continues to do it. Richard, thanks for the call, and thank you for your, your service. Um, well, that, that's... I guess it's just, it, I mean, I, I thought it was inappropriate, and we said it a couple of years ago, but the obsession that he's had, now look, and I understand that, that John McCain was a thorn in his side politically, but John McCain's dead, and he's been dead for a, a while, and I guess it's just the, the gratuitous need to attack and attack and attack the memory of somebody who, I, I mean, again, you can disagree with John McCain on certain policy matters. I thought he was dead wrong on McCain, fine goal. I thought he was wrong with his vote on Obamacare. Um, but but at the same time, what do you gain by attacking him on a personal level at months and months after he's passed away? Jason in New Berlin. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. And I, I'm actually a disabled veteran myself, and I think it is atrocious that Trump goes after McCain. And McCain just wasn't a hero because he flew a plane and got shot down. When the North Vietnamese found out his father was an admiral and his grandfather was an admiral, they were going to release him. And he said, no, I will not leave until the people that were captured before me leave. That is what you call a hero. Mm-hmm. After somebody's broke your arms 50 times and they say you can leave and you say no, yeah. that is a hero. And it's a shame that Trump goes after him. Yeah, no, th- well, no, thank, thanks for the call. No, I, I appreciate it. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It's, well, I, it, it's this jealousy. It's this obsession. You know, John McCain's daughter, Megan, you know, she says it's, well, he's just mad because people love my father more than they're ever going to love you. I, I don't know what it is, but it just, I, I guess if you want to be reelected, it, it's to, this embodies some of the things that I just don't like about the president. I'm not talking about policy. I'm not talking about the issues and how the economy's doing and things like that. I, I'm talking about on this personal level to gratuitously attack somebody like John McCain. I, I okay, you want to attack um, you want to attack Joe Biden, you want to attack Bernie Sanders, you want to attack Elizabeth Warren. I understand all that. But John McCain, just give it a rest. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Gru, who is producing the show today and always, what did you think of the Packers draft? Uh, I thought it was good. Um, I think the the, the safety uh, Savage he's he's a little small. Yeah, he's a small. He's he's fast, but he's small. He's a okay. little speedy guy. But uh, yeah, overall, I'm I'm happy. You're happy. Okay. Well, good. Good. Uh, the Packers will be glad to hear that. I color me a little bit skeptical. I mean, it is it is interesting when I, I was listening to our coverage of it. And I also had ESPN on, and when they when they kind of announce it, and then they go, everybody's kind of like, huh? Well. Okay, I mean, here's a guy who is the best athlete coming out of high school and really hasn't performed. And by the way, he's got a bad shoulder, but maybe the Packers know something. So, okay, you've got that. Day two of the draft is today. Maybe some good news on the Brewers' front. They're playing in in New York. It's raining. (laughs) I mean, because the Brewers are in a free fall. And I I understand some of the people are saying, well, it's, it's, it's early. There's no reason to push the panic button. Truth of the matter is... Given the Brewers pitching, and I, I admit I was wrong. I thought it would be better. Given the Brewers pitching, um, if if you didn't have Grandal and you didn't have Yelich, I mean they wouldn't be. They're thirteen and thirteen. They're in fourth place in the division, uh, but it would be a lot worse if it weren't for those guys. And you you wonder where the help is going to come from. I'm just looking at the weather forecast this afternoon in New York. Heavy rain tonight. Rain early. Low around fifty and then clearing up for tomorrow. So be interesting. Keep tuned as to whether they're able to get that game in tonight. But given the way they're playing right now, what did Greg Matzik say? Losers of seven of eight uh, games. It, it's four in a row. Not very pretty right now. And I understand it's early. Maybe they can turn it around. But I'm not sure what the plan is to turn it around. But we do have the Bucks, And, of course, the Bucks game one against the Boston Celtics. That is on Sunday afternoon. You can hear it all here on WTMJ. Okay. We have, on two occasions at least over the last couple of weeks, talked about the Milwaukee Police Department's chase policy. Everybody knows they changed their policy. They now, they now chase cars that try to run with them from them. Imagine that. All right. Now, that story is out there, but there is a larger story that, that I want to discuss with you, and, and that is that the number of car crashes in, in Milwaukee – Let me give you the numbers here. According to the police department, um, in 2018, there were 16,338 car crashes in the city of Milwaukee in 2018. Now, to give you perspective, 240 of those crashes were due to police chases. So, the, the number of crashes caused by police chases is statistically, it's insignificant compared to the overall number, 16,300, all right? That, that works out to an average of almost 45 car crashes a day in the city of Milwaukee. If, if, you're, if you wonder why you hear all this lawyer advertising for, for you know, that, that's it. I mean, 45 car crashes a day. I mean, you know, people hurt all those different things. 45 car crashes a day, 16,338 crashes. All right, that is 2,282 more than in 2017. So let's just kind of round this stuff off. Essentially, in 2017, for the whole year, there were 14,000 car crashes. In 2018, 
there were 16,300. And again, 240 of those was because of police chases. That's not what's driving the, the, the numbers. All right. It's up a little bit because the police are chasing. But but the bottom line is you go on the mean streets in Milwaukee and, and you're taking your life into your own hands. If it's true, 45 crashes a day. So to me, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting to focus on the chase policy. I believe the police should be chasing people that run away from them. But the bigger issue is the fact that you got 45 car crashes a day that are going on. And even if you take out the chases caused by the cops, that's 44 and a half car crashes a day. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question, and it is a broader, open-ended question. What is going on? Why are the number of car crashes up so dramatically? 45 car crashes a day. Now, not all of them, thank goodness, you know, take people's lives. Not all of them result in serious injury. Is it distracted driving? You know, has the word not got out that you can't text and drive? Is it just a general, we don't care? Is it inattentive? What do you think is going on? Because alarm bells should, in fact, be going off if you've got 44 or 45 car crashes a day in the city. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's going on here? Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi. My thoughts are that it goes back, actually goes back to the no chase policy that uh, cops are letting people go without uh, chasing them for and if it's not reckless driving, it's inattentive driving. It's just like going all over the road, and I think just stems from that. Mm-hmm. So you you do attribute a lot of this back to the last five years, and that we're just going to let people drive off and not pay attention, and we're not going to follow them. Uh, absolutely. Okay, thanks. I think that's a factor, but I actually I think it's I think it's a I think it's a lot broader than that. And I, I think there's at least in my opinion, I think there's a couple of things that that are going on. One is. I, I think that there's there is a criminal element here. There's more car thefts. Car thefts are up dramatically. There's more reckless driving. There's more people behaving in an irresponsible fashion because they're not afraid of the consequences. I think that leads to the car crashes. And secondly, I think it's reflective of this general overall attitude that you know a lot of people just don't care that we're not going to pay attention, we're going to blow through the red lights. It doesn't matter because, you know, we're our time is more important. So, boom, we're going to do all this stuff. And the bottom line of all this is you're getting to a point where you take your life into your own hands when you decide to get behind the wheel of a car. And that is perhaps the scariest thing of all. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My guess is... If you do any amount of driving around here, you you can recount stories, probably three or four stories a week, where you watched somebody blow through a red light or blow through a stop sign or pass you going 70 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone driving through the bike lane, and, and you saw this. I see this two or three times a day on a regular basis. And I think, quite candidly, it is but for the grace of God that these numbers aren't even a lot higher. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it becoming, 
Is driving a car and the reckless driving, is it in fact out of control? 414-799-1620. My answer is yes, and these numbers tend to back that up. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Stay tuned. Jeff Wagner returns after this on WTMJ. Brewers baseball is the sound of summer. Peanuts, water. Christian Yelich and the crew are in New York for a weekend set with the Mets. Our Brewers game day coverage starts tonight at 535. We're the home of the Brewers. At the track, looking up, gone. WTMJ. All right, I know you've heard about the amazing pillows that they make at My Pillow. Well, the creator Mike Lindell is a sleep genius, and everything he creates revolves around making sure that you get the best sleep of your life. That's why they created the new Giza Dreams bed sheets. Um, they start with using the world's best cotton. It's called Giza. I have been sleeping on these sheets for several weeks now. I will tell you, I was just blown away when we first got them. The quality of the material, the quality of the cotton. Once you start using these sheets, I don't think you're going to want to go back to anything else. We've been using them for weeks. Now you can get your own set. All you have to do is go to MyPillow.com, click on the Giza Dreams Sheet Special, use the promo code WAGNER, or you can call 1-800-953-4163. Here's what you get when you do that. First, you get 30% off. 30% 30% off. Then you get free shipping. Then you get a 10-year warranty. And you get a 60-day money-back guarantee. Now, look, I'm going to be shocked if you send these sheets back. But it doesn't matter. If you get them, you don't like them for whatever reason, you've got nothing to lose. Don't forget, enter the promo code WAGNER when you go to MyPillow.com. Hi, everybody. This is Susan Hiller of Hiller Ford on Highway 100 in Franklin. Well, it just got a whole lot easier to own a brand-new F-Series truck from Hiller Ford. We are now offering 0% financing for up to 72 months on all 2019 F-Series trucks. That's right, 0% financing for up to 72 months. And with our super low pricing, it's a great deal that's hard to pass up. But if you are looking for even more savings, you can pick up a 2018 F-Series truck from Hiller with the same 0% financing for up to 72 months plus up to $4,200 in customer cash. There's nothing not to like about that deal. Hiller has great deals on their complete line of cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs. So come in today or check us out at HillerFord.com. Find out why so many people love to buy their cars and trucks from Hiller Ford. We make deals you won't believe, satisfaction guaranteed, we've got it. Back to Take Your Calls, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Yeah, if you wonder why there's so much lawyer advertising out there on the radio and on TV, well, all you have to do is look at these numbers. Over 16,000 car crashes in the city of Milwaukee last year. Over 16,000. That's up about 2,300 from 2017. The streets are getting more and more dangerous. My guess is we could spend an hour just taking calls. If I said, just, hey, tell me the, the most reckless thing that you've seen on the roadways in the last 72 hours, my guess is all of us have horror stories. Ron in Whitewater. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Yes, hi. Hi, Ron. How are you today? Good. What do you think's going on here? Well, I think, uh, I think it's just, not people daydreaming they're doing it on purpose they're mm-hmm. just in a hurry they've uh, they have no idea why they're in a hurry but they're in a hurry to get somewhere to do something yep and and laws be damned yep right and I and think- and consequences be damned it's just here right? we're 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 just going to blast through this well i think a solution 
at least a good uh, start would be to put cameras on the intersections that are the really serious ones, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the busy intersections, and send tickets. Uh, yeah, like the red light cameras. Be aggressive with yeah, that. Exactly. Well, exactly. They've got the technology. It's, it's pretty simple, really. And now if the tickets don't, you know... Get paid. Bring, yeah, if yeah. it doesn't work, well, then I don't know what the solution is, but tickets and money out of those people's pockets... Yeah. We'll start making them think a little more. Well, I mean, thanks. I mean, I, I see, I, I, I would be more aggressive than that. I, I mean, I think if you're, if you're looking at, a, there's only so much law enforcement can do. And I, I get that. I don't know how many of you are, you, maybe you're in the same situation I'm in, where again, you watch yesterday afternoon, driving home. I'm getting ready to make a left turn onto the freeway to go north. I'm on, I'll tell you where I am. I'm on Port Washington Road, just a little bit south of Bayshore. I'm getting ready to turn onto the freeway. So there, there's a, there's a light. And I'm, I'm in, uh, there's traffic that's coming, um, that's heading south on Port Washington Road, just south of Silver Spring. And I'm watching, I'm getting ready to make this left hand turn. I'm in the intersection on a green light. All right, and there's a steady stream of cars, and I'm watching that. So I'm still in there. I'm waiting. My light turns yellow. And so you know, normally you would expect the cars going the other way. They would stop. Well, I'm watching this, and I see a car that's got to be, I don't know, 50, 60 yards away. Now, the light is already yellow, and I'm looking, and I'm watching that car. And I can tell that guy's going to blow through this light. And he doesn't care whether the light, it's its its not even going to be close to being red. It's going to be red for seconds before he gets there. Now, I, I've got to wait. I'm watching this type of thing. And sure enough, this guy, hey, I see this yellow light. I'm 75 yards away. I'm going to floor it and try to go through. Now, if I had tried to make the turn when I was, I, I would have been hit. I think if I had not been in the intersection, the cars that then had the right of way that would be crossing, I think they would have been hit. But it's stories like that that you see, you know, all the time with this reckless driving that, that's out there. And law enforcement, the truth of the matter, can only do so much because you've got these crazy people that are out there. Now, part of the thing that I would do, and I know some people think it's too extreme, is, I mean, when I find people driving without licenses or driving with suspended licenses, I'm taking the cars. And, and I know some people say, oh, you can't do that. Folks can't get to work. Well, if you're not supposed to be driving, you're not supposed to be driving. But at some point in time, we've got to wake up and recognize that this is a huge issue out there and that, that you know, that these, these car crashes, and again, the 16,220-some, they're not all fatalities. I, I appreciate that. But nevertheless, you know, if you've ever been hit, especially, you know, when you're in the right place at the right time, it is an incredibly disruptive and dangerous sort of thing. And it's just unacceptable. And these staggering numbers and the increases in numbers, you got to get a handle on it. Tim in Milwaukee. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tim. Take my call. Sure. I think, I think you can trace a lot of this back to when, when I was a younger man in the early 80s. You took drivers at in high school. Right. You spent an entire semester learning the ins and outs and safety, and especially the death behind the wheel video that everybody got to watch. Um, uh, and, and like your screener said, he goes, well, I didn't have that in high school. I'm not a bad driver, and I'm not trying to lump everybody into that. But kids don't spend enough time learning how to drive properly nowadays, and I think it could lead to a lot of the recklessness. Right. Well, I, I think that's – I guess I think that's that's part of it. Um yeah, I mean, thanks. I mean, I appreciate. That. I'm trying, I got to think it through. I mean, I don't. 
I don't know that I believe, though, that it's people who don't know how to drive. I think it's people who know how to drive and, and just don't care. Now, there is there, there is a percentage, and they, they don't break it down. Of those 16,000-plus crashes, we, we know that 240 were the result of police pursuits. What we don't know is how many involved stolen cars or people driving recklessly beforehand or running red lights or doing all that stuff. You know, we, we don't have the breakdown on that. because. But my guess is it's a substantial number as opposed to just the ordinary, you know, fender benders where somebody stops and the other person, you know, isn't paying attention and they have the rear end accident. My guess is it's a lot of it going on. But the spectacular reckless driving that we all see, that's the stuff that I, I think you, you need to that, that needs to be dealt with. Frank in Bayview. Frank, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Jeff, good afternoon to you. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Love the show. Thank um, you. Big, big topic for me. I, I have a, a big interest in this subject. Um, I'm in my early 40s. Family and friends pick on me for being a slow driver, def- defensive driver. Right. But I, I can't count, Jeff, how many accidents I know for certain I've avoided by being a slow driver. Mm-hmm. Um, very recently, you know, I got to a stop sign, and it's a four-way stop, and it's you know it, it's one of those stop signs where you you, you kind of know no one's going to be there. Right. Stop anyway, and here come a couple teenage clowns just zip right through it like it wasn't even there, and they actually laughed at me. Yep. Yeah, you're you're the chump because you've stopped at the stop sign. Yep. That's that's exactly right. My my point is, it's indicative of this feed me now culture or narrative that we have with these kids these days it's it's a societal thing well i mean th- thanks to call i mean part of it is i mean I don't, I don't want to repeat myself too much but when, when we were talking about the police chase things former police chief ed flynn one of his justifications for not chasing he said look there's a high percentage of the people who do this that they're, they're juveniles they're 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 kids they're driving stolen cars and even if we catch them you know, they're, they're driving the stolen car, we chase them, we catch them, we send them over to the juvenile court in Milwaukee County, which is nothing but a joke. And I mean that. It's a joke. They sit there, oh, this is your 12th stolen car arrest? Well, fine, here, we're going to... We're going to not process the charges, or we're going to send you back, and we're going to put you on probation. I mean, and, and Flynn's thing was, well, okay, why do we risk everybody's life by chasing these punks when we know that nothing is going to happen to them? And I, I, I can see that he's got an issue there, but th- there needs to be a wake-up call in this community, and and I think the police need to continue chasing. But the larger thing, the larger question is, how many people need to be seriously injured, and how many people need to die in automobile accidents that were just completely and totally senseless because some idiot decided that they were going to blow through the red light or they were going to get a running start so that they go through, they can get through that red light. Um, they're not going to hit it before it turns red, but they're going to be able to go through it at 60 miles an hour. How, how many more people need to die and how many people need to be seriously injured before we recognize that the clowns, to use one of the caller's phrases, that are on the road, we need to either wisen them up or get them off the road because this affects you. It affects me. It could be your spouse. It could be my spouse. It could be your kids. It could be your grandkids. And, you know, you shouldn't have to take your life in your hands every time you want to drive on the mean streets of southeastern Wisconsin in general and Milwaukee in particular. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's Friday. Glad to have you with us. Rue, producing the show today. Do you know who Ken Kerchival is? You ever heard that name? No, I've never. You've never heard of Ken Kerchival? Ah. 
how quickly they forget. Have you ever heard of the television show Dallas? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, Dallas, which was, and, and again, it, it's, it's a generational thing, but Dallas, when it was first on, was an enormous hit. It, it played for most of its run on, on Friday nights on CBS, and it was, I mean, it was, for most of the years, it was the most popular TV show around from 78 to 91. Um, and, of course, it created the legendary character um, of, of J.R. Ewing, who was created by Larry Hagman. And, and it was just it, it was one of these things where he was the bad guy that you rooted for. And it was just you, it would all, all those things that, you know, you'd, you'd watch this stuff happen and you do these things and then you'd feel guilty about yourself because he was such a schmuck. But nevertheless, you, you found yourself rooting for him and and everybody around him. He just destroyed everybody's lives around him. I mean, it just it just didn't matter. You had his his brother, who was kind of an Abel and Cain story. And his his brother was the good guy, Bobby, and he was sort of the bad guy. And you had his long suffering wife who he drove to alcoholism by cheating on her and doing all those types of stuff. And, and every good villain needs a foil. And J.R. Ewing's foil was this character known as named Cliff Barnes. And the, the whole plot line was that way back in the beginning, like J.R.'s father had screwed over Cliff's father, Digger Barnes. I mean, I just I, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I even remember that. But I do. But J.R.'s father had screwed over uh the Cliff Barnes's father. And so there was this rivalry slash hatred between the two families that had now gone into the next generation. So Cliff Barnes was the guy who for 13 years kind of was he was the guy that was always plotting to bring down, uh, you know, J.R. Ewing. And he was in love with J.R.'s wife, Sue Ellen, and all that type of stuff. And it was one of these. Again, it was. It, it, it was sort of like the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, you know, where Wiley Coyote is always trying to figure out how to eat the Roadrunner. J- Cliff Barnes was was Wiley Coyote, and he'd always be trying to figure out how to eat the Roadrunner that was J.R. Ewing, and it, it, it just, at the end of the day, it never worked. J.R. always used to wriggle out for stuff. Well, you know, it's it's tough to play that character and, and make it convincing. Just like on MASH, Larry Linville played the character of Frank Burns for years and years, it's tough to play that kind of loser character for years and years and still have people you know pay attention to you and be sympathetic to you. In any event, Ken Kercheval, that was the guy that played Cliff Barnes. And then they brought him back when on TNT they, they rebooted the series from 2012 to 2014. Well, they, they brought him back, and the, the Barnes-Ewing feud had gone into another generation. But Ken Kerchival was the guy who played Cliff Barnes. He passed away this week, 83 years old, age of 83. And really, he, he, didn't, he didn't really do much after you know Dallas went off off the air um you know a couple you know small tv shows and things like that but but that's what he was best known for he was J.R. Ewing's punching bag and I, I thought as an actor I thought he was absolutely great at at taking a really difficult role and making it believable and Ken Vert Kercheval passes away at the age of 83 um sail on all right here here is the story that I want to discuss with you next we're gonna open up the phone lines in just a second Wisconsin a number of years ago adopted concealed carry we were the second last state to do it. 
And one of the arguments always was, well, you know, if you, if you, if you allow law-abiding citizens to carry firearms, what's going to happen is you're going to have all these unnecessary shootings and things of the like. It's going to turn into the Wild West. I always rejected that notion because I don't think we're particularly more bloodthirsty than other people are. But here's a story for people who might be opponents of concealed carry. And I want to share it with you. It's actually, it's a story from, happened this morning. 4.30 a.m. in Chicago. So here's here's the deal. Guy is driving a 2015 BMW. Okay, he's on Wells Drive and State Street in Chicago. It's 4.30 in the morning. What happens is he gets rear-ended by, the, the, by, as it turns out, it's a Volkswagen. So it's 4.30 in the morning. You're driving. Boom, somebody rear-ends you. The man gets out of the car to look at the damage. Ugh. You know, what's going on here? And then, this is the driver of the BMW, then goes back in his car to grab the cell phone, his cell phone, and he's going to call 911 or whatever. As he's going back and gets in the car to grab his cell phone, guy gets out of the VW, has a gun in his hand, walks up to the man who's now back in his car, demands the keys, all right, sticks, sticks a gun, points a gun at him, all right, and then tries to, like, pull him out of the BMW, and they start to struggle a little bit, and so they're both kind of in in the front seat of, of the car. Well, what the would-be robber doesn't know is that the guy driving the BMW is a concealed carry holder, and he's got a gun under the seat. And so what he does, this is the driver of the BMW, he reaches under the seat. They're kind of like grappling. He pulls his gun out from under the seat, and shoots the would-be robber between the eyes. Shoots him in the head. Boom. Dead. Dead. Carjacking thwarted. So the the, the follow-up is, this happened at 4.30 this morning. Um, later this morning, he is now, this would be he being the, the shooter, the guy who was about to be robbed. He's down at police headquarters. He's being questioned for, again, shooting the, the man with the firearm that he was legally allowed to carry. Okay, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, there's two ways that this could have gone, theoretically. One is the driver of the BMW, it, it's, it's just his car. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just stuff. Instead of risking an encounter with an armed robber, he could have simply done what the robber demanded, given the robber his keys, got a description, and then called the cops after the guy drove off and let the cops do what they do. Instead, he decided to engage with the armed man, and in this particular case, he got the drop on him, he shot him in the head, and now the armed robber is dead. 414-799-1620. Did the driver of the BMW... Do you think he handled this in the right fashion? Should he have resisted? Should he have fought back? Should he have gotten into a potential gun battle? Or was that foolish? Should he have just let the other guy have the car and drive off? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was it foolish to engage? I don't think anybody can. I mean, I, I, I don't know for sure, but my guess is there's no way the police bring charges about this. This is a clear-cut case of self-defense. But he didn't have to do it. He could have just given up his keys and let the guy drive off. All right. Was it irresponsible for him to engage? 
414-799-1620. I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Okay, this happened 4.30 in the morning today. Um, outside of on, on the streets of Chicago, if you're just tuning in, guy driving a BMW gets rear-ended by another car. He gets out, inspects the damage, is getting back in his car to grab his cell phone. Guy gets out of the car that rear-ended him, got a gun, says, I want the car. They struggle briefly. What the would-be carjacker doesn't know is the guy's got a gun himself under the uh, seat. He grabs it, and he shoots the would-be carjacker between the eyes, kills him. And now the question is, apart from the legalities, and I think this is going to be a self-defense case, was the man, was it a smart thing to do to try to fight him off? He could have just given him the car keys and gone on with his life. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Quincy in Milwaukee. Quincy, hello. Hi, Jeff. What do you think? I think that he should have um, just let the um, robber, like, had took his car. I think it's kind of weird saying that, but... He shouldn't have to sue him in his eyes if he's getting robbed. Well, um, the I mean, the guy sticking a gun in his face. I guess the question is, how how do you know? For I mean, how should the man know? It's four thirty in the morning that the guy is not going to shoot him as soon as he gets the car. I mean, should he take that chance? No, he shouldn't. But instead of shooting him in his eye, he should have just reported to the police that he was getting robbed. Okay. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, I guess that that's that's an alternative. But I mean, I, I guess my point was, all right. Let let's say you comply. Guy in the VW gets out. He's got the gun in his hand. He says, "Give me your keys." The man gives him his keys. How how do you know that the bad guy is just that? That's all he wants. That he just wants the car. How do you know that the bad guy might not be some I I don't know crackhead that decides i don't want to leave um i don't want to leave any witnesses and and he shoots him um 414-799-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line and again i don't think this is a i to to me the question isn't is this a criminal act this strikes me as being clearly self-defense somebody comes up and sticks a gun in your face um that allows you to use deadly force i i would under these kind of circumstances. That's what it seems to me, at least. I mean, other people will make that decision. But, of course, the man took a risk in trying to fight back. 414-799-1620. Adam in Brookfield. Adam, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon. Hi, Adam. In this day and age, any assailant, at least to me, considers life to be very cheap. And if I only had a water balloon in my hand, I would do whatever I had to do to kill the assailant first before they got me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, 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 odds are you're going to get shot or knifed anyway. And so I, you're not going to take the chance that you just give no. the guy the car and he's just going to drive off happily. You, if, you're not going to take that chance. No. If someone approached me on the street and I was in my car and they ran up to me with a baseball bat in their hand, I'd run them over and deal with the courts later. <laughs> right. Because you're going to, something's going to happen to you and you won't be around to defend yourself in court. Better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6. Is that what they say? Uh, something like that. <laughs> something yeah. like that, yeah. Thanks to call. 414-799-1620. Was it irresponsible for the guy to make the decision? Because the way I get the story, I he, he didn't have to fight back. 
Um, you know, he didn't, he, he struggled. I mean, he was confronted. The guy pulled the gun on him. And clearly, I mean, he took a risk. This, this story could have, this story could have easily ended the other way. And that is that the, you know, would be the guy that's being carjacked, that it, as he's engaging in the struggle, the carjacker pulls the trigger and he never gets to pull out his gun from under the seat. And, you know, he ends up dead. So it could have easily gone the other way. In this particular case, it didn't. Um, but but was it a responsible thing to do to engage? 414-799-1620, Mark in Bayview. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon. What do you think? I think he was 100% correct. I okay. mean, if someone pulls a gun on you, you have to believe he's going to kill you. Right, or that they're you willing know, to use point, it. Yep. Exactly. I mean, otherwise, why would they pull it on you? You know, it, I'm not going to wait and find out if they were going to shoot me. I'm going to do everything I can to stop it before they shoot me. Right. And if that means, you know, putting one between his eyes, well, right. he shouldn't have pulled the gun on me. Right. Now, it might be that, you know, you're because of the way if the guy's got the drop on you or whatever, it might be that you don't think you can safely get to the gun. But what you're saying is if you think you can get to that gun, you're, you're going to get to that gun and you're going to use it. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, I, that's. I guess I think that's how most people would react. Chris makes the same point that Mark just did. If a gun was ever pulled on me, I expect that the person who pulled it was willing to use it. I wouldn't think twice about fighting back. That's. That's. I think the dynamic that that's going on. And look, I'm. I'm not out here promoting vigilantism, but I don't see this as vigilantism. I, I see this as people are. People are mad. People are fearful and deservedly so because you have this criminal element that, that's out there and this guy's driving a nice car and it's 4.30 in the morning and there's probably nobody around on the streets and you've got somebody that's rammed into your car and is trying to take it at gunpoint. I don't blame him one whit for you know the saying, look, I, I'm going to put up a fight and it, apparently his judgment was good enough that he knew that he was going to be able to get to his gun before the other guy was going to be able to shoot him and the fact that the would-be carjacker is dead, well, that is unfortunate, but... I guess maybe the lesson is don't steal people's cars at gunpoint at 4.30 in the morning. Bill in Muskego. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Yes. Bill. Hi, Bill. Um, just call. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Oh, uh, I just heard that you're talking about it, and I guess the one thing that I'm, um, and I don't have a gun, I don't have a permit for one, but the reason the gentleman got this permit to carry a gun is for situations like this. It's sad that Somebody lost their life, but who knows what would have happened to uh, this, this well, man if he wouldn't have. Well, well right, and and plus, okay, you let him drive off. Your your gun is in the front seat of the car. Okay, now you've put right. another gun that's out on the street. No, I mean, I, right. I I'm I, I mean, I'm with you, and I guess. Look, I, I, I'm, I've never encouraged people to go carry guns if they're not comfortable with it or things like that. But I, I always say we live in a concealed carry world. And I, I think more and more of these would-be criminals and thugs and stuff need to realize that, you know, there's people who are are perhaps more than ever prepared to and able to defend themselves. And you would hope that that would maybe make, make somebody think twice before saying, hey, I'm going to ram into this car and try to rob this guy if you don't know whether or not he's got a gun and knows how to defend himself. Uh, it's a typical you know, typical thing that you hear about where somebody rams you in the back end all of a sudden, right. you take them out, and they're going to rob you. And uh, it's just, uh, I think people just need to get a message that there are people out there that, are, that do have a gun legally, 
And if you mess with the wrong people, you know. They know how to use it. No, thanks for the call. No, I mean, I, I think that's why. For everybody said, oh, if you have concealed carry, it leads to the wild, wild west. No. I mean, I, I think in general it's responsible gun use. And at least based on what I know about this story thus far, and again, it happened at 430 this morning, this this is the reason, it seems to me, why some people make the decision that they want to carry firearms. Lisa in Oconomowoc. Hi, Lisa. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling, ma'am. Um I guess I am just so sick of hearing about people thinking that they are entitled to someone else's possessions. You work hard for what you got, and somebody comes along and thinks that, that, you know, they should just take it from you. And they can stick a gun in your face while they're doing it to take it from you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry that that guy is dead, and I'm sorry for his family, you know, but... He shouldn't have been out there doing that terrible thing. And I hope this guy that shot him now does not get prosecuted for this because this is a very sad thing that had to happen. But right, it, it, It's why people have, are legally allowed to carry firearms. No, thanks. I mean, I, look, I, I can't imagine the police, like I said, the last story I had, the police were, you know, talking to him. I, this is one, unless there's something that's not that we don't know, that's not in the initial reports, this strikes me as being a clear-cut case of self-defense. And uh, there, there's all sorts of things I feel bad about in the world, but a carjacker at 4.30 in the morning who gets shot by a concealed carry holder after the carjacker has pulled a gun on somebody, sorry, I'm, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So a, a truck full of ketchup catches on fire. Ketchup, not ketchup, but ketchup packets catches on fire. Is that the deal? Yeah, that is the, the that was the cause. What, what, why is it? And maybe this is true in other metropolitan areas as well, but it seems like... Whenever there's something involving a semi, overturned, caught on fire or something, it's always weird stuff that's in it. I mean, oh, there's a freeway, there's a a semi that's turned over and it's full of pig entrails. Now they're all over the the road. It it seems like almost every time this happens, it's something odd. Right, Gru? Yeah, there was, uh, I remember one time there was that semi with uh, full of beer. Right, the, the PBR, beer. and people started flooding that area. Right, yeah, the, the beer thing. But it's always, it's like, you know, you, know, you, you it, it's never just something normal. It's never like potato chips or something. It's always, it's ketchup packets that have caught on fire. Or again, I, I do remember the one that flipped over, and it was pig, entra- pig entrails. And, they're, and of course, they're coating the thing, and it takes an extra couple hours and and, of course, you know, you've got the ongoing traffic messes. And, by the way, we'll continue to keep you updated. And I had forgotten the Billy Joel thing. And that's going to be, you know, that's an ongoing. I, I mean, I remember the last time they had the concert at Miller Park. And, you know, people were just not flat able to get in for hours and hours. So they're and trying I to be smart. I think that is somewhat the concern for maybe some of the Billy Joel concert goers. So they want to get there. Get there as soon as they can and enjoy the show. I mean, you probably got some tailgaters out there at Miller Park ready to oh, party well, before the piano man comes on. 
Well, <laughs> well, yeah, well, 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 especially if you went to the last concert and you were trying to get in and you ended up, you know, being stuck in traffic for three or four hours. So keep it tuned to WTMJ. We'll continue to keep you updated on the different things that are going on. And because I am this kind of guy, I was half kidding Melissa Barkley, who's going to see Avengers Endgame. They think that, and we're going to talk about a variation of this in Pop Culture Corner in about 20 minutes, but um, Avengers Endgame, which is kind of the culmination of the, the first 22 Marvel movies, they expect that worldwide it's going to open up at like nine, opening weekend, $900 million, which will blow away all sorts of records. I mean, it's, it's there. I'm not saying this, theaters are running at 24 hours but they're running it darn close and all these the different episodes are sold out if you're if you're thinking hey i'm going to run out tonight and just kind of see it um you, you better check ahead because i think tickets at least for the first couple of days are very very hard to find but it, it is a three plus hour movie and i was kind of kidding melissa but it is sort of true you go there you get that like jumbo soda you drink it down and you know at some point in time Nature is probably going to call, and the question becomes, it's this three-hour movie. You've got all this different stuff that's going on. When could you possibly leave? And there are a number of spoiler-free previews that are out there that tell you, well, honestly, you know when you can go pee during Avengers Endgame. And I, I told Melissa I would find one of those articles for her, and I shipped it to her. I, I have several of you who've said, we're going to go see the movie. We want to know as well. So... Because I'm that kind of guy. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. That was my, I just, just sent out a tweet that has a link to, well, if you're looking for the best times to answer the call of nature during the three plus hour Avengers Endgame movie, here you go. And at least it's the link to one of the stories I found that indicate two or three or four different spots during the movie that you could probably sneak out and, and use that as the opportunity without missing too much that's what i'm here to do this is a full service radio program i i'm i'm here to help and so if i can make your avengers endgame movie going experience more pleasant i'm there with you all right this this story is one that if you don't care about it i understand but i bring it up because it is it, it just says everything about how flat out dysfunctional the city of Milwaukee is. And it, it, this continuing saga of the city of Milwaukee flag. Now, the, the official flag of the city of Milwaukee was adopted in 1955. And it has clearly outlived its usefulness. Now, I, I don't pretend to be an art critic or anything like that, but the flag of Milwaukee it is it's a mess, okay? There, there's no question about it. It's got um, all this stuff on it, and it's got a montage of images. It's got a ship. It's got the old county stadium, which has been gone for however many years. It's got a, a Native American in a headdress. It's got a giant stalk of wheat honoring the city's brewing industry. It, it's just, it, it's a mess. It's outlived its usefulness, all right? I think everybody would agree. So back in 2016 with essentially the blessing of, of city government. You have a number of individuals, they come forward, they call themselves the People's Flag um, Committee. And, and what they do is they say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to start, we're, we're going to try to come up with a new flag for the city of Milwaukee. 
and they turn it into I remember when this happened they they turn it into a, a an interesting contest where they they invite people to you know do your own designs like they go down to the Milwaukee School of Engineering and um they, they do design flags you know and so um or and so they get all these college kids together and all sorts of other people and they they get Various entries. As a matter of fact, they got over a thousand entries for a new Milwaukee flag. And then what they did is they had a team of judges, and then they say, okay, let's narrow this down to the top 50 designs. And so then what they do is they bring in these art experts that come in and they have, they have public voting on these things at all, and they settle on a flag. Now, perhaps, you know, you, you've seen it. It's a, the flag that they settle on is it's a sunrise over over a lake, all right, over the lake. And actually, I mean, I look at it, and again, I don't claim to be an art critic or anything, but I, I think it's I think it's pretty darn I think it's pretty darn good, you know. And again, it it just shows I mean a, a, a sun, and so this is fine. And matter of fact, they announce the winner, and there's a press conference, and you've got the mayor, you've got the head of the common council, and you know everybody's applauding it, and they're thinking, "Oh, this is great." Okay, well, I mean, again, this is an unofficial process, so it has to be formally adopted by the common council. Well, anytime you get politicians involved, you you know nothing is going to go easily. And so despite the fact that you've had this ongoing process that lasted about two years and all these people that drew submissions and anybody could submit them that they wanted, and they come up with a design that's actually, I I think, a lot of people like, you get it over to the buffoons at the Milwaukee Common Council. And then they start saying, well, well, wait, it's not that we don't like the flag, but we're we're troubled by this process. And we're troubled that, that the process wasn't inclusive enough i mean did we reach out to this community enough did we reach out to that community itself one of the aldermen says well there's there's this sunrise that that's there and and it's got it's got white and of course you know why why do we have white on the people's flags i mean you know what what's what's going on with that how can we have white on the flag i don't make this up but this is what happens when you allow the common council to wade in on this and you allow the Milwaukee Art Board to weigh on in this. So this has been going on for now onwards of three years trying to pick a flag. And the one flag that ultimately came out of it, pretty good. Well, we're now back to the drawing board again. Alderman yesterday said, you know, I know we went through this process and stuff, but no, 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 we want to find a new designer to come up with a new city flag because, you know, we don't like the people's flag of Milwaukee. And this is the Common Council Steering and Rules Committee that apparently have said, nope, we're we're we don't like this. The sunrise over the lake. Well, okay, we've got some concerns. We got to go back to square one. And again, mostly not because nobody likes the design, but because they're concerned that well, okay, maybe we we just didn't get enough groups that participated in this. And maybe the fact that you had a thousand entries. And that you had all this public voting, well, that wasn't inclusive enough. And by the way, it does have some white on it, and maybe we can't have white. It's If you want to understand how dysfunctional the city is, this is the story. This issue has been percolating for over three years thus far. You have had a process. 
People have settled on the process. You have come out with a result that I think most people agree. It's it's pretty. It's a pretty cool look. And as a matter of fact, some places have already started adopting it. But because of political correctness run amok, because you have some of these aldermen who either don't like this because, like there are critics, or because they want to pander to a particular constituency, now you end up going back to the drawing board. It's why you can't get stuff done in this community. It's why trying to do anything positive is like herding cats. And once you get something that's decided on, well, then, okay, we don't like it or it doesn't fit our particular goals, so we're going back. I don't know how many thousands and thousands of taxpayer dollars we're going to waste on this process, you know, hiring a designer, all this stuff, delaying it. But the bottom line is you had a process. You had something that was perfectly acceptable. You had something that, you know, didn't look ridiculous like that big orange ugly sunset, uh, that, that big orange metal monstrosity that's at the end of Wisconsin Avenue. Um, you, but yet we can't do it. So if you want to wonder, if you ever wonder why, why Milwaukee has such problems, it, it's not because we have a flag from 1955 that's hopelessly outdated. It's because when you try to do something positive and make some changes, well, you know, you get all the usual suspects that decide that they've got a better idea or that they want to pander to their own particular constituency. So we've got to go back to square one. And this is it's unfortunate because do I care whether they adopt a new flag or not or how soon they do it? No. But, you know, you had a process. You followed the process. The process resulted in a perfectly successful end game. And yet we don't want that because, well, it's just not politically correct enough. What do you do? This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. President Trump coming to Green Bay tomorrow. I'm sure that will be a raucous situation. I said yesterday, and I I stand by this, I think if Joe Biden is the nominee of the Democrats in 2020, I think, and Donald Trump is the nominee of the Republicans, I think Biden beats Trump. I I do. I think that um, if the Democrats, on the other hand, nominate the, the Bernie Sanders or the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, the, the far lefties, I, I think Trump ends up winning. That That's kind of the dynamic. I essentially believe we are either a center-right or center-left country, and I don't think we're ready for the Medicare for all and let's pay off every, have the government pay off everybody's college loans and let's Let's tax people for the point of, um, again, income redistribution. I don't think we're ready to go to socialism. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But I think if you have a center-left Democrat like a Joe Biden, he wins. Here's the thing, and I have no conviction on this. I'm not at all sure that even though Biden is the guy that's best positioned to beat Trump, in my opinion, I'm not sure he wins the the nomination. And you're already starting to see this interesting piece in the New York Post today about how the all the social justice warriors are out there and they're committed to just absolutely trying to destroy Joe Biden. You're starting to see this. New York Times had a big piece today about Anita Hill and Biden was the chairman during the Anita Hill hearings back when Clarence Thomas was uh, 
um, up for the Supreme Court justice position. And uh, Anita Hill, who I have always been skeptical about her story, Anita Hill didn't like the way she was treated by Joe Biden, and she hasn't gotten over that, you know, 30 years later. She's still holding that grudge, and she's out there. For those of you who were wondering what the timing of, gee, was it interesting that all of a sudden you have these women who came out a couple weeks ago and said that, well, no, Biden hadn't sexually assaulted them, but they were uncomfortable with his style. If you don't think that was organized and an effort by some of, in this case, the feminist left to try to discourage Biden from running, to kind of send a message, hey, you get into this race and we're going to be out there and we're willing to do whatever we can to try to undermine you. Well, if you don't believe that was the case, again, I've got a bridge that I want to sell you. So it's been interesting to me and it will be interesting to watch over the course of the next year or so how this develops because on the one hand you have the democrat who is most well positioned to beat at least in my opinion to beat donald trump and yet you have lots and lots of other democrats who instead of beating donald trump are now going to start obsessing on trying to beat joe biden because he's not part of the kook left so you're going to see a lot of the kook left come out and try to do everything they can to to undermine him because he doesn't check any of the boxes. He's older. He's been around for a long time. He's heterosexual. He's white. All those different things. And he's male. You know, all those different things don't necessarily fit into the profile and he's moderate in comparison to where a lot of the young, fire-breathing Democrats are. He doesn't check any of those boxes. And despite the fact that I think he's got the best chance to win, the long knives are, in fact, going to be out. Interesting to see what happens here. This is Jeff Wagner. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show. And now, here's Jeff Wagner. It is probably the hottest movie of, certainly it's going to be the biggest movie of the year, and it's probably the most anticipated movie of the last several years. I'm talking about Avengers Endgame, which wraps up really uh, it's it's the 22nd movie in a series of marvel movies going back about 10 years or so to the original iron man and it, it's you've had iron man movies you've had thor movies you've had captain america movies the black panther captain marvel ant-man doctor strange and several avengers movies and it debuted yesterday and like i say they, they think it's going to set all sorts of box office records they anticipate this weekend it's going to do like 900 million dollars in in business and it's I haven't seen the movie. I haven't read the spoilers. It kind of brings everything together and ties up a lot of plot lines that have been running through all these different 22-plus movies, 20-plus movies, over the course of the last decade. It's highly anticipated. I know comic book movies aren't for everybody. I've seen most of them, though, because I grew up reading comic books. My brother grew up reading comic books. And it's been kind of a rite of passage that we would get together when his kids were growing up. And we'd take my niece and nephew and we'd go see various of these movies on opening night. He's in Las Vegas this weekend with my niece, as a matter of fact. So we're, we're not going to have that happen. And I don't know when I'm going to see the last Avengers movie. But certainly sometime, I would think, in, in the next week. But it's going to be a big deal. Critics who have seen the movie are describing it as a once-in-a-generation film. 
a big budget film that is incredibly entertaining and incredibly good. And the reviews have been extremely positive. Now, I'm really skeptical when it comes to reviews. But by all stretches of the imagination, this is going to be a very, very good movie, especially if you're invested in the characters. It's going to be something that I think you know brings people back time and time again, which brings me to my topic for Pop Culture Corner. There are some movies that you want to see. You watch one time and you go, oh, that was really, really good. But I, I don't I don't need to see it again. I, I just I, I watched it because I liked the surprises and now I know the surprises, I don't have a desire to see it again. There's some movies that are very, very good, but because they're they're just so intense and they're so painful, um Schindler's List is, is one of those types of movies. You you you're riveted by it, but it's tough to go back and, and watch it a second or a third time. On the other hand, there are movies that you never, ever, ever get tired of watching, and several of the Marvel movies, I think, fit into that category. Our number and our topic, our number is 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Our topic for Pop Culture Corner today in recognition of Avengers Endgame, a movie that I'm guessing lots of people are not just only going to see once, but are going to see several times. The topic is the movie that you never get tired of watching. That movie that you can watch over and over and over again. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, if you are a regular listener of this program, you know that this this is kind of one of my weaknesses, that I can watch movies several times to the point where I will be watching them and my wife will come in and say, well, we, we saw this movie like three weeks ago, and you're watching it again. And I say, yeah, hon, I am. And actually, I probably have watched it two or three times since then without you. And again, I get that look that a lot of you women give you, that you learn from your mothers, that you give your husband saying, I kind of married an idiot. I can't believe you're watching this movie over and over again. Why don't you watch something different? To which my response a lot of times is, hey, I, I every time I watch something, I, I see something new. So, yes, I've seen this movie countless times. All right. The movies that you never get tired of watching. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Renata in Waukesha. Hello. Hi. Okay, uh, you never I get tired of watching. I have two of them. Okay. Young Frankenstein and Mystery Men. Okay, well, let's. Uh, thanks for call. Let's stick with Let's stick with Young Frankenstein because Mystery Men is kind of a sort of a cult type of thing. But yeah, I mean, one of together with Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, probably the the two best known of the um, Mel Brooks comedies. And yeah, I mean, Gene Wilder and Terry Garr. Yeah, a lot of people just absolutely love it. And the Peter Boyle playing the monster. The guests, th- those those gags never get old. Marty Feldman was in it. Yeah, great movie. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. The movie that you never get tired of watching. Let me take a quick break. We're back with more calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, and this is Pop Culture Corner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, Pop Culture Corner, the movie you never get tired of watching in honor of Avengers Endgame premiering, well, this weekend. Patty in Waukesha. Hi, Patty. Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, the movie you never get tired of. Well, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell in the original Overboard just is a movie worth watching on a regular basis. Okay, what do you like about it so much? Well, first of all, it's very clean. Let's yep. be honest, it's very clean, except for the kids can be totally sassy. And then you've got the great parenting that goes on in the back. And yep. then the whole, the whole relationship that just 
changes a couple of times. I love that movie. Yeah, no, it, no thanks for calling. And, and Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell are just absolutely great together. Russell and Brookfield. Russell, you're in WTMJ. One word, Jaws. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. It really, it's got it all. It's got music. It's got comedy. It's got uh, human frailty. It's got everything. It's got uh, stories. It's got uh, tragedies. It's got death. I, well, right. And, and, and you know, and it's funny. I, that's a movie. I'm with you. I never get tired of watching it. I, I think the performances are great. Robert Shaw, who plays the old captain, he's great. Um, Richard Dreyfus is great. Shaw. Yeah, yeah, and you know Roy Shire. I mean, I think they're all great. And I did you see it originally in a theater or did you see it on TV? No, I saw it originally in a theater. My bri- I remember I, my bride did just scream like when that <laughs> initial one that eyeball right. came out of that in that underwater boat, whatever. And oh man, I know. I, I, the reason I ask is I remember seeing it. I was in college at the time, and uh, my date when that when the jaw when the shark you first saw the shark. Boy, I'm telling you, she grabbed my arm. I think I still have marks in my arm from where she grabbed it. And I, 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 I got to admit, I probably shrieked a little bit too. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. You never get tired of watching what? Hey, good afternoon. Hi, Dave. I think, I think the big one is uh, the ones that have the music attached to them that you sing along with. I think of my my parents. I think of my kids. I think of my mom and the and the sound of music and mm-hmm. myself. I, Myself, I really uh, have enjoyed The Greatest Showman. I, my my wife, she watches that Moulin Rouge. Right. And with our, with our kids, they watch uh, The Sing. All of them have music. And when you look at, like, YouTube, the videos that play constantly over and over, it's all the ones that are, are, are all about music. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's insane. I mean, Firstly, on the other side, I will tell you, the, the movie, the game with Michael Douglas. Once you see the ending, you'll never want to watch it a second time. Yeah, it, thanks. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's like yeah, the the game is like that. Um, oh, what's the um, the crying game is another movie like that. I, I watched it once. It has twists and turns, but once you knew it, the the other one, like the Bruce Willis movie, The Sixth Sense, that's another one that I mean, I thought it was a good movie, but I, I watched it once, and once you understand the plot twists like that, you know, to your point, you talk about the sound of music. When we were doing our listener cruise last year, we we were doing the um, Danube, and we ended up. Um, there was a day trip down to Salzburg, which is when we were we were actually at a couple of the places where they filmed certain scenes in The Sound of Music, and it was just it was it was just absolutely beautiful. Interestingly, the other thing is in Europe, they don't think The Sound of Music is that big a deal. Apparently, a couple of years before that movie came out, a movie on the Von Trapp family came out that did big business, and so everybody considered The Sound of Music to be derivative. So, other than the fact that it's American tourists who come and want to you know see where they shot all these things the, the locals it's kind of like no big deal 414-799-1620 tim on the east side tim hello hello i'd have to say uh alien <laughs> and i'll slip another one in used cars is uh, one of my favorite comedies yeah with robin williams right you used cars a little no, bit that more was with uh, kurt russell actually oh, okay used cars. yeah okay it's kind of a small movie and not many people have heard of it but it's um, Alien, another one, you know, that just kind of reinvented the, the genre. And, you know, there's that one scene where the alien pops out of the guy's stomach. I don't care how many times you've seen it. It still scares the heck out of you. 
<laughs> yes, and it's, it's conceivable, kind of. You know, there's no energizing like on Star Trek or whatever. It seems like in the future that, you know, possibly you could travel in space that way, I suppose. But. Well, right, no. I, thanks for calling. I mean, I, I liked... I'm not a big horror movie guy, but I'm, I'm with you on Alien. Okay, we have just absolutely been swamped with um, texts here. Let's see. Heather says Apollo 13. Yeah, I'm there. Um, let's see. Kelly's Heroes. Yeah, it, it's funny. That's a movie. I, I'm embarrassed. I don't know that I think it's a great movie, but I love Kelly's Heroes, and that's a movie that I've probably seen 50 times and could watch it uh, again. Um, let's see. Sandlot. Kelly in Greenfield says that. Yeah, a lot of people love Sandlot. Sunset Boulevard. Oh, an older one. Film noir at its best. Let's see, Tombstone with Kurt Russell. That's always a good one. The original Jurassic Park. I like that one. Uh, let's see, National Treasure. All right, all sorts of great ones. Blade Runner. Yeah, skip the skip the sequel. Go with the original Blade Runner. 414-799-1620, the movie you never get tired of. Alan in Milwaukee. Hi, Alan. Hi, that's in show from the Cohen Brothers. <laughs> I, um, no, it's not. It's got no. It's not the Cohen brothers. It's the guys that made Spinal Tap. Um, right, 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 right. Right, Christopher Guest and stuff. Yeah, I the the, the parody of the dog shows. <laughs> it's I no. I know, right? I, th- thanks for calling. I, I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I absolutely love that. Yeah, it's by Christopher Guest and uh, the guys that did Spinal Tap and um, the, um, the oh the the folk singing one to the the wind or something like that. I forget what the name of that was called off the top of my head. But yeah, I I I love the whole best in show thing um, because it's so. I get the impression that it is so true to life. About you know what happens with uh, what happens with those movies with the the dog shows four one four seven nine nine one six twenty Bill in Greenfield hi Bill you're on WTMJ hey thank you for taking my yes, call sir. I love this time of the day thank you uh, I was telling your producer I'm, I'm tied between Tommy Boy and uh, Tin Cup <laughs> I love them both yeah Kevin Costner um I well I I happen to Tommy Boy I can take or leave but but I'm with you on Tin Cup that's with uh, t- uh with Kevin Costner and then Cheech Marin too. You know, yeah, you, it's like no matter where in the movie it is, if you're flipping channels, I'll I'll, I'll start watching I, it from there all the way to the end. Right, exactly. And um, oh, the guy from Miami Vice, Don Johnson, you know, who kind of plays the bad guy there. Yeah, it's it's and Rene Russo is the love interest. Yeah, and it's and of course if you're a golfer, there's some just like kind of great scenes in there. And one of my favorite scenes in Tin Cup is where they're sitting around and they've been driving hundreds of miles and they all want to go to a Waffle House. And somebody says, "Well, we can, you know, we can do a little bit better than that." And they're all going, "No, we want to go to the Waffle House." I understand that because when I'm on the road and I find a Waffle House, that's where I want to go too. Stephen in Elm Grove. Stephen, you're on WTMJ. Hi, I'm thinking Caddyshack. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. You like that one better than Animal House? Um, I do think it's better than Animal House. Okay. Because uh, the world needs ditch diggers. <laughs> that's well there I mean right they I mean you you can do all sorts of great things you know the the guys that did Animal House tried to recreate Animal House with Caddyshack and I don't think it might work quite as well but you know Bill Murray's got some great scenes in it I I would say this and a number of people are mentioning it Animal House would be one of those movies that I could just watch over and over again I'm dating myself a little bit but Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman I I've probably seen that a hundred times I never get tired of it the Godfather, not The Godfather 2, which is good, but The Godfather, that's another movie that I just never, ever get tired of watching. And if you're looking for a more contemporary, a more contemporary one, I'm almost famous, which is the story of 
I, I don't know of a of a guy in the a guy in the seventies who gets to be a writer for Rolling Stone and goes on the road with a band. I absolutely I love Almost Famous, um, and that's another one of these movies. If it's on. I am watching it. My wife will kind of look at me like, gosh, I can't believe that. I think The Avengers could be one of those sorts of movies as well where people just want to see it over and over again. The Star Wars movies are certainly like that as well. So whatever your movie is, my advice is it's going to snow like heck tomorrow. Maybe just plan on pulling out that movie or streaming it or whatever. Sit down, make yourself some popcorn, have yourself your favorite beverage, and enjoy it. This is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind.